The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Matt Waldman, good morning. Here we are, the middle of July, or nearly the middle of July, and uh, Tyreek Hill has not gone fishing again. That's great news. There's not a lot of news, but there is a little bit. How are you uh, this fine day, sir? I'm doing really well, considering the fact that um, I my bonehead needs to get like something for the back seat of my car because the dog keeps tearing through seat belts. Like it's like him just showing off that he's got sharp teeth. Well, he, he should show those off. They're very nice teeth. He's a fine young man. Not sure about all these complaints. Three seatbelts in two weeks, my man. <laughs> well, okay. Three seatbelts in two weeks. <laughs> just a, uh, just a, because I have no idea. What, what does a seatbelt replacement run a man uh, in this day and age? Let's put it this way. I was really hoping to buy a, a brand new saxophone mouthpiece. <laughs> um, or maybe a vintage one that was like really high end. And now I'm paying for the third second and third seatbelt repair it's it's about three hundred dollars with another three hundred dollars of labor so so he's got to get a job summer job is in, <laughs> is in the works right now so uh, anybody needs someone to help track deer with them he doesn't respond well to guns though so so that might not be good so if, unless we can find someone who kills deer with buck knives you know, sneaks up on them like he, they're an old school, you know, a lot of bow hunters warrior. out there. A lot of bow hunters. He might do well with bow hunting. He might do pretty well with that. A lot of those out there. Find Ted uh, so, Nugent. There we go. <laughs> he would be one of them. <laughs> a lot of people out there hunting for values at running back. And, you know, we've all talked ourselves into the notion that Javante Williams is not going to be ready for the start of this season. Javante Williams would like us to know uh, that he expects to be ready for the start of training camp. As I said this weekend, that's the plan. I feel like I'm ready to go. If you have asked uh, if you would feel like you would be medically cleared for the start of camp, uh, Javante Williams, feel more fucking at this point. Fuck that rhetoric. I'll believe it when I see it in the same way that I was ready for J.K. Dobbins. And I heard that, you know, Javante Williams has had a fairly difficult one too. And J.K. Dobbins bristled at the idea that he wouldn't be ready. And then he learned his lesson about midway through the year and pretty much said so. So, yeah, I... I don't believe it until it actually happens. Right. So, so that being the case, uh, you know, I mean, what are we doing with Samaj P. Ryan? You know, I mean, I think the value is there. He's not overly expensive on either of the best ball uh, platforms. I feel like people think Javante Williams is coming back, or we may be overplaying that notion, or that, or we may be underplaying the notion that this will be a split no matter what. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fairly decent split. And the idea, you know, had Dwayne Dwayne McFarlane on. Um, uh, an RSP cast about a week and a half ago, and he brought up the idea of of really, and I think he mentioned that Sean um, Payton said that there's yep. a little bit of Pierre Thomas to what they've got with Samaje Piran, and I think that's an accurate assessment. Um, if things don't go well for Williams, it's going to be Piran as the lead back, but then they've got a couple of speedsters to think about, like Tyler Beatty, and Jaleel McLaughlin, the UDFA, and I would keep, I'd put my money on McLaughlin in that case um, as being the more um, talented option who could be um, game ready in a Philip Lindsay sort of mold to offset the, the 
you know, the, what do you call it? The earth moving construction vehicle that is Samaj P. Ryan. Um, so, but if, if Williams is healthy enough to go, I still think you're going to see probably a fairly even split in the red zone between those two. And you're going to see some third down love for P. Ryan because he is a reliable receiving back who can block. And I think that they may want to take Williams off the field or use them situationally. So I think it's going to be a little bigger split than people anticipate. And I th that gives P. Ryan, I think, running back three, running back four value right now. Yeah, I think that's where you're is, is actually the I'm looking at the latest underdog numbers of best ball uh, ADP uh, P Ryan up to running back 35, which I think is probably right about where he should be going yeah. and uh, still behind Javante Williams who's running back 29. Maybe people hoping for a late season run. I think people are feeling this starting to feel the same about Brees Hall. If we're getting a lot of uh, smoke signals uh, out of the uh, New York area, a lot of interest in Dalvin Cook being discussed, although maybe some of this is and by some of this, I mean all this is coming from the agents who represent one Dalvin Cook, uh, this talk of interest in him. But that the Jets are still talking about him. It's interesting, all the teams uh, you know that have been mentioned prominently with Cook are, are the AFC East teams. Uh, so uh, just in general, though, this Brees Hall, you know, when all the talk of, of, uh, of Dalvin Cook was going on, he put out a tweet with just a picture of a, a note being taken, you know. So he's paying attention to this. The reporting has been pretty positive on him. Are you feeling him as an early, uh, an earlier round pick, or are you passing on him altogether? I know other people who who are feeling that, um, who have you know that medical background, who are who do injury reporting. Um, but my point of view remains similarly cautious. I'm more fucked that because I've been yep. projecting Brees Hall at ten games as a starter. Um, and I think that that's a good conservative estimate. And it's not because he won't be ready week one. I just think about even if he's ready week one, he is a very hard-cutting, creative, dynamic mover who leans a lot on quick twitch movement that's kind of at the razor's edge of maintaining your balance and really hard planning, hard cutting. And a, when you are a back who has had that kind the kind of injury he had it's not the physical that you got to worry about it's the psychological of trusting that knee enough to do those things and very rarely do we ever see that now the one exception where we've seen that was with one of the most violent cutting creative backs ever in Adrian Peterson in terms of you know what he would do with jump cuts and and lateral cuts but I think with Hall, who is very much relying on that, I, I it's hard for me to trust a back to play more than 10 games year one coming back from an ACL tear because I just don't think he's going to trust it and it's going to wind up leaning to some sort of, you know, um, you know, complimentary, you know, issue with his with an injury, you know, uh, one of those injuries where you get a sprained ankle right. or a muscle, you know, tear, things like that. Compensatory. Thank you. It's Monday, and I, I, I've been trying to think of the word, and I appreciate you helping me out there. Belts. Yeah, it's seatbelts. <laughs> That's all I'm thinking about right now is seatbelts. <laughs> uh, so, so that being the case, and current ADP on best ball or on uh, underdog is uh, running back 11. I'm looking at some of the backs going around him. I would rather have Josh Jacobs, who's going uh, the running back before. Najee Harris is growing on me a little bit, Matt. Travis Etienne is not. Jameer Gibbs, 
I will pound the table for him every damn day. So there's some values out there. But I know we've talked about Israel Abanaconda a little bit in the past. I think he's in the 60 range. Uh, what about Michael Carter? I think he gets forgotten a fair bit. I mean, I, maybe they just don't want a smaller back, but the dude runs tough. He's one of the better route runner receiving backs that's come out of the draft in the past five years. Um, I think he can get the job done. And I think um, Abanaconda is a promising player, but I think he's a year or two away from really taking over a, a big-time role for the Jets if they needed him. Israel Abanaconda currently running back 67. Michael Carter currently running back 72. I have way more shares of uh, the latter than I do the former. And I have a lot of shares of Michael Carter I drafted early on before the NFL draft. And I'm starting to feel a little better about it. Again, I do think he's an overlooked commodity. So I'm I'm feeling that. And, uh, and I'm just not like, fuck Abanaconda. I think he might be okay. But he's, he to me, he seems like somebody the beat writers are mentioning a lot to get ahead of something should it happen. And uh, there's a lot of that goes on this time of year. You'll be surprised to learn, Matt Wallman. We had a fascinating uh, tweet this week, uh, I felt, uh, by Will Brinson of CBS Sports, in which he ranked the quarterbacks in seven tiers. Top tier, I don't think anyone would argue with the players on it. We might argue about the players not on it. Tier one is Patrick Mahomes, uh, Joe Burrow, and uh, Josh Allen. Uh, tier two uh, includes Jalen Hurts. Is he in the wrong tier? Um, I think from a fantasy perspective, he is in the wrong tier. I think from a football perspective, I think that you can make the argument that he's just below because as a passer, he's he's, he's good, but is he great? And I would argue that, you, you know, really Burrow, Allen, and Mahomes might be a tier above everybody at this stage. And, that, you know, that's no shame to Hertz's game. He's really close. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with this. I think the, the the common trend for at least two of those players, for me, Mahomes and and uh, and Burrow, for sure, and maybe Josh Allen's getting there too. Maybe I'm selling him short in this regard, is, is that aspect that we saw with Tom Brady where you essentially have a coach on the field, right? A guy that's so uh, steeped in the offense and well-versed in what's going on and understanding the defenses, et cetera, that he gives you that extra, you know, that extra kind of coaching perspective on the field. And, and, you know, and I think that will come for Hertz for sure. I just think we're not quite there maybe in the process just yet for him. Uh, the other guys on Tier 2, I mean, I, I don't have a huge argument here. Justin Herbert, Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, and Lamar Jackson. Uh, any arguments there? Anything, any major complaints? None at all. I like all of them in that tier. I think that that's, a, that's an excellent place for them all to be. And I would argue that on a... In, in, with a good system around him, Lamar Jackson would be in, could have the same argument that Jalen Hurts would have. I think Trevor Lawrence, obviously another year from now, yep. if he does what he did, he might have that argument. So, you know, and who was the other guy that we met? That, oh, Josh, Justin Herbert, same yes. thing. You know, we saw the start to his career. I mean, again, these are all guys that could, you could make the argument for them being tier one guys, but the way that Will put it out there, I think he tiered it perfectly. Yeah, I think Justin Herbert, the issue for him is taking a minor step back last year, regardless of what the reasons were. There was an injury. There were injuries around him. Uh, there were, you know, offensive line problems as well. So well, what do we remember? We remember the last thing we saw. And the last thing we saw was Justin Herbert falling a little short of our expectations. I'm feeling a rebound, Matt Waldman. I definitely am. The next tier, uh, it's a big tier. 
it's the huge tier. There are a couple of big tiers here. Tier tier three, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, I thought was interesting, Tua Tonga Valoa. Uh, Justin Fields included there. Danny Dimes up there uh, with this group as well. Daniel Jones, uh, Deshaun Watson, and Russell Wilson. You feeling Russell Wilson as a tier three quarterback? Yeah, in fact, I think that if he does what he did for most of his career, he'll be in tier two. So will Aaron Rodgers. I think, you know, Matthew Stafford deserves to be in that tier three. He's really, if he could have stayed healthy, he he's he could easily play like a tier two, tier one type of player. Really more of a tier two player. He can be that. Um, so I like all of those picks with the exception of maybe Justin Fields. It's more of a projection of where people think he will be, and I think he can be. Um, and not uh, Danny Dimes, I can kind of see him there. But Tua Tungavailoa, I don't know, man. I liked him, but I think he's more of a tier four guy with um, basically a – um, an elite tier set of wide receivers and yeah, an elite tier coach. I think that makes sense. And it also makes sense on Russell Wilson, you know, just putting that in context that I mentioned. We remember the last thing we saw. Yeah. Last thing we saw. And actually, if we remember the last thing we saw, Russell Wilson was trending in a positive direction late last season. I think the coaching change. He is a bounce back candidate for me. Matthew Stafford, I hope he remains healthy. I think he'll be a huge producer as well. And Justin Fields. And if he, you know, makes a step forward, the, the step forward we expect or we're being told he's going to make it to passer, uh, nice things will happen, especially with additional weapons. We'll talk about one of those in a moment. Next tier would be the tier four, Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, and Jimmy Garoppolo. I feel like one of these things is not quite like the others, but maybe I'm not giving Ryan Tannehill enough credit. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Tannehill... Maybe at the bottom of that tier, you maybe he should be tier five at this point. But he's a competent. All those guys are competent quarterbacks with talent around them. I would right. argue that guys like Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff, and I think there was one other player on there who did. Dak, Dak, absolutely. Dak to me is unjustifiably low. This is. I think I this is that. a biased Cowboy fans <laughs> kind of. Uh, <laughs> Um, list, you know, the the kind of the complainer, the social media complainer right. Cowboys fans, and there's a lot of them. So I would, yes, I would, are. all yeah. of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm generalizing. Yeah. Guys. yeah you live, fans. you live close enough to, to like, <laughs> to, to, to feel that, that, that radioactive behavior. But I would put Dak Prescott easily in tier three. And I think this was an, and that would be if I'm conservatively saying that last year, was a bad year right. for him but i would i'd argue he's a tier two quarterback um and i would argue that kirk cousins is a tier three quarterback and i would even maybe make the argument that jared goff is a low-end tier three quarterback but I, but we're okay i'm okay with him at four i you know when i first saw this earlier in this morning before we did this i felt like tiers three and four were basically a big tier yes uh and, and you can mix and match and there are some guys that deserve it i thought you know like brian Tannehill, maybe jimmy garoppolo to me felt like they should be at the lower end of that I, you know i'm still open to geno smith being the geno smith oh, we saw last that's year. who i forgot right that's a great point to, to me why you have i would put geno smith in tier three right now from what i've seen yeah. And if anything, I would take Garoppolo and I would put him in tier five. I, I think okay. he's too high. I think he's been propped up by his offense and that offense got tired of propping him up. 
Um, oh, find whereas, out if a new offense can prop him up, one that he's familiar with in Las Vegas. But yeah. but I I I don't I'm I don't have any big arguments with any of that, and I, I feel like maybe tier three could have been way bigger, and tier four could have been smaller. Tier five seems to be reserved for second year players who have something still to prove, uh, or younger players who have something left to prove. Mac Jones being the one uh, you know younger player, uh, Kenny Pickett and Brock Purdy. In this tier, I'll go ahead and throw out tier seven because I want to set you up for the next bit. Uh, tier seven is the three rookies. It's uh, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson, who we will talk more about momentarily. Uh, and tier five, I mean, you know, the promising young players. I get it. Brock Purdy, I have, I, we talked about him in length. I feel him as an ideal Kyle Shanahan factotum. A uh, guy that gives Kyle Shanahan the processing he wants at quarterback. And so if that's, you know, how you rank a quarterback, sure. Tier six is where it gets interesting. Sam Howell, Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield, Desmond Ritter, and Kyler Murray. How do you feel about Kyler Murray on this tier? I would, I feel good about Kyler Murray on this tier. In fact, all the other names you mentioned, I'd put them tier seven and I'd take the three rookies that you just put and put them in tier six with Kyler Murray. Um, Fair enough. But I feel fine with Kyler Murray, and I know that this was... He the, loves it, by the way. Kyler Murray responded to a, a tweet about this with a, with a love it. Oh, know, I'm feeling motivated. I, I mean, you know... Well, surely. maybe that's a sense of maturity, or that's a social media manager, or it's or it's the fact that, you know, what he's figured out that, you know, that he's got some problematic things going on. Um, yes. You know, the... The Going Deep podcast that I started with Brandon Angelo over at, uh, you know, Angelo FF um, or Angelo Fantasy, excuse me. Um, you know, we both talked about Kyler Murray last week and one, just the kind of the highlights were this is that he obviously physically he is a tier one or tier two quarterback. Physically, he's able to do that as a pure thrower of the football tier two quarterback, no doubt. A mobility, absolutely there. Leadership, um, very questionable, not just because of the one thing that happened last year, but when you just look at him, the way that he responds to his own mistakes or issues with other player players' mistakes, he tends to point fingers at other people. We see that, saw that in hard knocks and practices. You see it on the field. You see him extending plays in ways that there's really no realistic way to expect his receivers to have to keep up with him for eight seconds or his offensive line to have to keep up with them for eight seconds. He's not an efficient football player. And I think that the way he plays the game drops him enough that, you know, maybe you could say it's being tough on him at tier six. Maybe he should be a tier four or tier five guy. Um, but I think when your teammates, uh, uh, you know, Brandon made a good point saying that there's a good reason why De um, DeAndre Hopkins didn't want to be in town. Because when you're, <laughs> you're questioning DeAndre Hopkins for running a route on a ball that you didn't throw well, and you're grimacing and, and complaining and pointing fingers at the guy and asking him what happened, I'm sorry, but, you know, <clears throat> there are some receivers in this league you don't ask them what happened. Right. And, unless you've shown that you've studied the game well enough and don't need a clause in there mm. that needs to ensure that. So, yeah, I, I get it. Even if ability-wise we expect him to be a, a Tier 2 guy, I think how he's played is closer to Tier 5, Tier 6. 
we see two, you know, annual collapses uh, from the Cardinals and both, you know, I, I look, I'm still going to contend these were more Kingsbury related than quarterback related. And maybe that's a big part of the problem for Kyler Murray. We all thought this offense was ideally suited for him. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe we'll never find out. Matt maybe Walden. Colt McCoy will actually play well enough that's... that they're going to try and trade away Kyler Murray to get themselves another quarterback. Right, they're going to be really well positioned to draft next year. This seems to me, I mean, you can make an easy argument that the Cardinals are tanking uh, and there's a cable, Caleb Williams waiting out there. If I'm Caleb Williams, I'm thinking, I'm not sure I want to be the first-round pick of the Arizona Cardinals. That track record's not great, but uh, whatever. We'll see how that one plays out. Uh, I do think it's interesting. It, you know, look, I'm an older person, so, you know, the way I view a lot of these issues, some of the issues you touched on, the leadership and the – the on-field behaviors and things like that, I have a certain view of. I don't know if that view is shared by current generation of players. Uh, I think it probably should be. Uh, and I think for a lot I of them it is. is. Right, I think for a lot of them it is. But, but, but you know, there are different attitudes uh, from people. And so I just wonder if that's part of the issue for Murray is just, or, or maybe it's just, you know, the other portion that we see with so many athletes, you just, you, you're, you're the top percentile, the, the, the narrow band, the 0-1% in terms of talent all throughout your younger portion of your career and your, uh, you know, your nascent years. And then you get at the NFL where there's like 10% of everybody is as good as you. Right. And, and that's like a new thing. And maybe it's, you know, hard to deal with. So and we'll I see think, how this. In yeah, hindsight, I think he wanted to be a baseball player and he should have continued to pursue that route. But I think overlooked point. Totally. Yeah. I feel that as well. Uh, some reporting just I think it was today or yesterday uh, in The Athletic that maybe Anthony Richardson, though, who we mentioned, uh, the three uh, tier seven, the rookies. Uh, James Boyd uh, of The Athletic uh, wrote, I think the biggest factor in Richardson starting week one will be improving his consistency during training camp and preseason. As I've previously written, Richardson would often make the best throw of rookie minicamp, OTAs and veteran minicamp, but overall his performance was turbulent. That will need to change in order for him to take the reins in the season opener. Are you feeling Anthony Richardson as a week one starter? No, I'm not. I think that he's going he's gonna to get a chance to kind of sit on the bench and wait for anywhere between four to six games. And then I think they'll put him in. Um, and I think that it's natural because what you're going to see from the beat writer's perspective is just results oriented. Um, they're not going to tell you much about the process behind all of that. So... With Richardson, just like I talked about in the RSP scouting report or the scouting report that you can find in, you know, the football diehards magazines that are now available on newsstands everywhere, you know, you should you should definitely check them out. Yeah, yeah, over the shoulder right there. Yeah, right there. So when you, yeah, when you when you check those out, what you're going to see in that scouting report is that the, the thought about that he's inexperienced. It's not that he lacks savvy or understanding of football. It's just he's less experienced with certain types of defenses that he hasn't had a lot of reps with. So you're going to see good reps, bad reps. You're going to see him try and get comfortable with what kind of decisions that he can and can't make as both a, a thrower, a decision maker, and an athlete. And that's going to mean that he's going to have some unbelievable highs, like some of the best throws you see in camp, and then you're going to see some lows that come out of that. But they're not the type of lows that... You're going to look at and say three years later, oh, he's still making these mistakes and still can't see this stuff. It's more like you're going to see it this year and people are going to go, this guy can't play. And then two years later, you're never going to hear about these guys who said that again because they're going to keep their mouths shut because they realize that they're eating 
a, a, a really healthy diet sized dish of crow that's been dished mm. out to them by a certain love, yeah. love crow yeah there uh, we go i i i i'm feeling pulling the band-aid off throw them in there let, let them I, and i realize i mean if you're, you're like if you're totally you know outmanned or if you're totally you know not ready i get that i don't feel like he's i don't feel like he's not totally ready i feel like this is a unique talent that you get him on the field and you let him play his way in i think the most important factor for an nfl quarterback is that experience and even if it's not great experience at first i know i i just my feeling i feel like he's built to withstand this and learn from it and grow from it where maybe we've seen others in the past who weren't ready for that or expected to, you know, to come out great guns and didn't. Um, but play if, this man. I want to see him if, on the field. There. If, if, if he was waiting eight, 10, 12, 14 games, I would agree with you. But to me, four to six games ain't nothing in your first nah, season. No, it's true. And Gardner Minshew, you know, well-versed in the offense coming in, you know, comes along with Shane Steichen from Philadelphia and has been, you know, let's face it, more than serviceable on multiple occasions which can help yeah which can help richardson in the sense of like you know he can play the mental game of quarterback on the field to see how Minshew approaches things mentally um from an experienced quarterback standpoint and just give a little get a little bit more confidence about just the little things where he's not going to make grand mistakes with little issues and then they'll insert him in once they feel like he's comfortable enough on that end there are a lot of people drafting him as though he will be the week one starter Uh, that's my feeling in many drafts that i'm in and uh somebody if some of you out there are doing the scott fishbowl you'll see him go very early i get why that's like a tournament right so it's same with best ball you're you know season long i think i'm probably going to take a little different approach but uh for some of these where you're trying to be a little bit different or you know swinging really big i still think he's a a nice swing yes tank dell uh getting so Again, we're at that point of year where we're getting some positive comments about players. I suggest anyone, when you see these positive comments, you go see the where they sprung from. Generally speaking, somebody is asking a question about these players and nobody's going to slag on them. But Tank Dell is interesting. Apparently a very good route runner. The depth chart in Houston, you know, look, we've, talked about, Nico, yeah, we've talked about Nico Collins at length. And I think he'll be fine, but I don't know that he's, you know, a locked-in high-end uh, threat, right? So we'll see. There's there's some meat on that bone and room to grow. Uh, you're are you feeling Tank Dell as a rookie contributor? I am totally feeling that. And um, does it mean that he's going to be a high-end fantasy player? And eh, not quite sure yet. And the reason is is that, like you said, he is a terrific route runner. Great quickness, great feet, really good at being able to get off the line of scrimmage. He's creative. He can earn position to win the ball. He does everything from the line of scrimmage up to where the ball's in the air in front of him at the level of a future starter, maybe even an immediate starter. Where you start to worry about him a bit is with those targets where they're, they maybe need to be contested or he has to earn position on the ball and make adjustments and the hands aren't where they need to be. And then it's a little bit of an adventure with him, kind of like Romeo Dubs in that department. So Dell, if they use him, he's going to have production as that gadget throw out short yardage crossing route type of player who's going to get a lot of yardage after the catch on some you know or at least have some big plays like that the big question is whether he can be the primary guy who can win those contested catches and be kind of more of a a deshaun jackson kind of you know young deshaun jackson in terms of that ability and if he can do that he could be one of the best receivers 
in this rookie class in terms of production year one. Um, but I'm not anticipating that. And, you know, you still have John Mechie if he's healthy enough. Yep. He's an interesting player, though. His hands Robert can be a little iffy. Xavier Hutchinson has great hands. If he can show that he has some speed, he might surprise. And, <clears throat> you know, so you still got Robert Woods, and Robert Woods is handy at this point, even if he may not be the, the Woods that we saw in the past. I blame you for fueling my <laughs> my uh, many shares. Of the, well, I hope you got them late. I'll just say uh, very late, last round. Then you're picks. okay. Then you're <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. Like, Magic yeah, beans it, right now, but but yeah. but he will be on my rosters for the next ten years. So whether he does anything <laughs> or not, because that's how it works. He's got a good name. There you go. Yes, I'll take it. Um, so uh, KJ Osborne, another of these players that we heard some positive uh, discussions about. Again, probably in response to a question. That said. The Minnesota Vikings offense, they throw a lot. 65% of the time last year. And Justin Jefferson with 184 targets. Adam Thielen over 100 targets. K.J. Osborne got 90 targets last year. Granted, T.J. Hawkinson didn't show up until a little late for the party, and he ended up with 86. Uh, are you feeling K.J. Osborne as a potential fantasy contributor? As a potential one, I'm feeling that if the potential is based on the parameters of either Hawkinson or Jalen Addison getting hurt and now they need to use him as the third option in a powerful offense that that works otherwise it's the fourth option which is most likely how he'll be um he may have some big games for you as a bye week option here and there when the matchup's right but I'm not counting on that so he's draftable but he's not a guy that I would be considering as a starter um anytime until something changes in Minnesota is described Darnell Mooney says he's ready for training camp. Had the ankle injury last year, cut a season short, just had 40 catches, 493 yards. But the year before, he was very good, right? Career high, 1,055 yards. Uh, so a big season. The addition of DJ Moore lets Mooney work as the number two, which seems like the natural role for him, Matt. Uh, we are hoping Justin Fields makes a, a leap ahead. Uh, are we overlooking Darnell Mooney in our drafts this year? Potentially, I think that's the case because – like you said, two years ago, he played very well. And if the ankle injury was really bothering him and he was having to work through it all year long, that could have really der derailed him um, from you know, from being able to contribute at the level that he's capable of. And now that he isn't the number one guy overall, that is going to be helpful. He's, he, you know, in the sense that <clears throat> maybe last year he had to be on the field um, in order to be a decoy to some extent. So if that's the case... You know, I'm still holding on to Mooney shares in Dynasty Leagues um, where I've been able to get him, you know, where I got him off the waiver wire when he was a free agent. But, you know, I wouldn't be, I'm not necessarily making him a priority draft pick, um, but I'm I'm more than happy with probably where he's going ADP-wise to, to make an investment late. Current ADP, uh, 125 on underdog, that puts him in, what, wide receiver 58. So Easily. you're getting him in double-digit rounds. That said, there are guys going after him named Nico Collins, uh, who, I don't know, how, you know if, how you feel about the comparison there. Um, but then there's another one also going after him, well after him. That would be Adam Thielen, who we're hearing is going to be the Panthers wide receiver one. First of all, Feeling Adam Thielen producing as a true NFL or performing as a true NFL wide receiver one in this Panthers offense, or is this an indictment instead of the Panthers offense and maybe what we should expect? By the way, Adam Thielen, wide receiver 64, uh, ADP 143. Another guy I've been holding on to, and I'm totally feeling him as a wide receiver one because he can run routes. And I don't think that he slowed down that much. I think that they just 
you know, tried to beef up the offense in different ways in Minnesota, and he is getting older, and they probably feel like that's better to come off of that asset early um, rather than get caught with him while it's too late. I think he's got another year in him, and he can produce. Maybe as a wide receiver one for the Panthers, that will translate. But maybe from a fantasy perspective, we're looking at 1,000 to 1,100 yards, and that's not, you know, that's not a fantasy wide receiver one material. It's more of a mid-range wide receiver two. Right, all the pieces there, including DJ Chark going even cheaper. And if you're, I think Jonathan Mingo is actually going ahead right now, um, which may be a little bit of a reach. People be careful there. Might yeah. be a trap. Also, sometimes these traps are these great offenses coming off great seasons. Detroit Lions, one of those, Monroe St. Brown. He's embracing the hype, he says, Matt, heading to the 2023 season. Are you embracing the hype? Feel it a fuck it, sir. I'm feeling it for the offense. Fuck it for the team. Because until that defense gets turned around, it's really an all-offense. It's like a 1970s, 1980s Denver Nuggets, if you were a basketball NBA fan, where they were just scoring like crazy but had no defense whatsoever. Um, this is this team at this point, unless the, the guys getting healthy or the young players that they acquired can make a key difference on that unit in a manner that we did not anticipate. But overall, from an offensive perspective, absolutely with Laporta and St. Brown, um, you know, adding to that list, Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, you've got four weapons just right there mm. who are fine. And Marvin Jones, you know, again, kind of an Adam Thielen type, maybe a year or two beyond that right now, who can be a capable wide receiver two or wide receiver three in the right offense and you know coming coming home to Detroit probably to finish his career there um you know I think that he's a versatile player until you know Jamison Williams can get back and maybe show something you know other than you know what the what the odds are at the betting window you know hey now easy now old fella these kids they got things going on on their phone you'd be surprised to learn oh is that uh, that's what this thing <laughs> That, that, oh, that you thing. have one of those. You're all right. Yeah, I got one. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. I don't think we spend as much time gambling as some of the kids do, though. Uh, maybe we do, actually. I do with my life, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I'm feeling that. And uh, and uh, feeling we will be back next week to do this all over again and find some interesting, exciting topics to roll through. Maybe someone will put out a tiered ranking of, of fantasy analysts we can go over. Fuck that, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to farewell with that one. All right. I think they do that every day. It's called Twitter. I think that's oh, what that, that. Are you out there on the threads, Matt? Have I, you jumped I, on the threads? I have jumped. I'm on the threads. MattWalmanRSP.net. Is that what it, Or threads.net or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm at Football Diehard. I feel like threads is at that point like where Twitter was in 2009 where it feels like and I'm going to date myself here. It's yeah. like the end of the old Walton show where everyone says goodnight to everybody at the end of the night, you know, or that like kind of homey, quaint feel, and, and pretty soon, once all the bots look, get there and the angry people get there, it's all Look, douchebag, turd sandwich, douchebag, turd sandwich. Right, if you're viewing way. if you're viewing one in one light, you got to view the other in the other light. Or you feel can just that. say, I don't really care either way, and I'm just trying to live my life and, and help people where I can. But to me, it's like, <laughs> if you want, if you prefer one or the other, you know, that's your you that's some. your taste. I'm just gonna I'm not gonna abstain, but I'm just gonna hold my nose through the whole thing. Feeling all of that. Love you, Matt. Goodbye. Love you too.